This is Brad Zollis, and my presence speaks volumes before I say a word. Yes, it does. <laughs> As also said by most deaf, one of yeah. your favorite quotes. It was so fun in my preparation for you. Before we drop into the, some of the details that we're feeling really lit up by, I want to give a brief bio on you, Brad. Uh, Brad Solis is a serial entrepreneur and former C-level executive. One of his startups, one of eight, uh, K2 Design became a publicly traded company on NASDAQ in an IPO. As a result, Brad was thrust into the lime, limelight as a dot-com executive and has been featured in Forbes and Inc. magazines, Advertising Age, and appeared on international television shows, podcasts, and many other media outlets. Brad is also the award-winning author of Liquid Leadership and the host of his own podcast, Awaken Nation, interviewing today's cutting-edge outliers and entrepreneurs. You're moving into, you are in your fifth season, some of your guests and my faves, uh, Dan Millman, Panash Desai, Dog the Bounty Hunter, Stephen M. R. Covey, and so many other incredible people like Dr. Randy Shannon, who's coming up on my show soon. Yeah. You basically say the Awakened Nation podcast is Think Art Bell meets Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. I would say that's good. But there's also something else to be said for the way that you held space for me when I was a guest on your show recently. And I'll link to that in the show resources because um, it was the bravest, most vulnerable conversation I've ever had. But speaking to that, the space that you create, Brad, was so beautiful and sacred. I felt safe to drop in, which is why I asked you to please share one of your favorite quotes at the top of this conversation. <laughs> so I Thank wanted to you. say welcome to Fire and Soul. Thank you, Michelle. Um, I'm just jazzed I'm here. Um, we did. We had a great conversation. I was blown away at how how deep you went. And uh, thank you. Um, thank you for saying what you did, because uh, I try to do that with my guests, you know, because some of them have been through major trauma. Some are very successful business people, but I, I go with the flow of what is happening in the moment, I guess I would say. And uh, I think it makes for a better interview. <laughs> It was beautiful. And I, I appreciate that ability and that capacity within you. It also speaks to your level of self-awareness and, and a consciousness, you know, a state of that, because you can just, I've heard so many of your podcast conversations. We'll also be sure to link to that in the show resources because Awaken Nation, what are you about? 123, 124 episodes yeah. in. And yeah. we're actually on season six and we're at episode 123. And, wow. um, I've just been blown away by the caliber of guests lately, the people who just step up and say, yes, I want to do the show. So uh, you included. Oh, thank you for that. It was such an honor to get that invite from you. So I'm going to backtrack just a few years when we connected, and then I'd love to backtrack, get a bit of your backstory. I know you have been asked this many times, but bring my listeners up to date because where I'm really excited to drop in with you today is that transition from one life and then a 180 in your awakening that now you're in a whole different sort of portal, if you will. But if we mm -hmm. go back to even just about four years ago, I met you in, I think, 2018, when right. you were on the board of directors guiding Leah Woodford and Smart Femme Enterprises and many other things. I remember you took the stage at one of the events that I, I attended of hers. And you were like the rock star MC speaker. Like it was clear that you were a legend, a legend. And you yes. had the energy, you had the aura. And I was like, ooh, who's Brad Solis? <laughs> and then, I'm embarrassed. Right on social media it was great. 
And then I started to notice as I was experiencing the beginning of my awakening, which in the beginning was to see the matrix and to then become familiar with the agenda. And that was terrifying for me, but then you were out there sharing truth. And I was like, there he is. Cause right. Because when you awaken, you start to see others that have popped their head out of the ocean, if you will. And we are becoming aware of a whole different reality. And that was you. And that's how we connected in real time. So I'm just going to pause there because I want to share, cause that's a lot, even in that transition. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you're taking me back. Uh, 2018, I think, was around that time. Mm -hmm. And what happened to me is um, I, I went through a divorce at that time. Mm -hmm. So here I am, business person, and I have to look uh, and say thank you to my ex, uh, simply because she helped me with my awakening uh, mm -hmm. transition. Because she's from another country, a completely different country than the U.S. And so she shook me awake a little bit in our 20 years of being together. But when you met me, it was what was really happening is I was transitioning from this sort of business icon to, you know, I really don't want to talk about business anymore. Mm -hmm. I got tired of it. I was either on I was a, either a guest or a host on over 100 podcasts. Mm -hmm. And Michelle, I can tell you, it was the same boring story. It was always, do you know how successful I am? Let me tell you. Mm -hmm. And I just got tired of interviewing people. And you know this, Michelle, because you're a host as well. Um, I would try to push for the story that I knew was behind the success. And they they never wanted to go there. Mm -hmm. And I got I got just got very frustrated. So when you you met me, what was really happening, and a lot of your listeners probably understand this, I, I believe anyways, we're we're kindred souls. If you're mm -hmm. listening to this show, mm -hmm. I was living a double life mm -hmm. back when I became, you know, for lack of a better word, successful and famous and took my company public. I drove my business partners crazy because mm -hmm. I didn't go to Wharton school of business. I got my degree in art. Okay. <laughs> art and design advertising. And I was always spiritual. So I would always sit down and tell them, well, this is going to happen. And if you aren't positive, this isn't going to happen. And we built a multi-million dollar company without any um, capital infusion. Nobody does that. Mm -hmm. Everything was bootstrapped. And then all of a sudden we go public. To this day, they can't look at me and say, how did we do that? Mm -hmm. You know, I was using techniques back then of manifestation. We're talking 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. So by the time you met me, I was tired of those crazy conversations that weren't going anywhere. Uh, I was starting to wear on my sleeve more and more my spirituality. And I think one of the, the gifts I have is I can take high level spiritual ideals and explain them to a corporate audience in a way that they don't know that it's spiritual. It's just human nature. It's mm -hmm. the way we should be interacting with people. And so shortly after I met you, I think it was 2019, I launched Awakened Nation. And it was simply because I had this one conversation. I was asked to be on a panel on a podcast. And two of the guests that were with me, I'm literally sitting there, Michelle, <laughs> asking myself, why am I on this panel with these guys who are uber successful? I mean, top. And because, well, the first one was Ben Gay III. Ben Gay III had worked with Napoleon Hill, written all these books. The Closers has sold 15 million copies. And I'm like, what am I going to talk about? This guy's really successful. He starts talking about the death of his son mm. and how he had to go back to work. Mm. And then Jim Palmer was on. He was a newsletter guru. And he talked about getting fired 
and being diagnosed with skin cancer in the same week, and then not being able to get a job for almost two years. And mm -hmm. he was forced to become an entrepreneur. And I said to myself, this is the conversation I want to have. Mm -hmm. It's a deep dive into, you know, you look at these guys and guess what? That was the highest rated show my friend, Tony Rubleski had. Mm. And that's what inspired me to start Awakened Nation. People have been knocked on their butts, mm -hmm. <laughs> spiritually, mentally, emotionally, or physically, and stood up and had to change the way they lived their life. And, and now we're doing something extraordinary. And they didn't have to be famous. They could have been a regular person. Mm -hmm. What are you doing to change the world? Mm -hmm. That's really the premise for Awakened Nation. Mm, and it's so beautiful. I got the divine tingles as you were talking about yeah. uh, becoming aware of why you were actually on that panel and that it was for you. It was to show you, yeah, yeah where you're going next. It was pulling you forward. But of course, now I have to ask, <laughs> what was that sort of pivotal moment in your own life that was the equivalent to what you were experiencing on the panel with the other guests? I, I literally was sitting there saying to myself, well, wh what trauma in my life did I have mm -hmm. to go through? You know, what, what, you know, and then I remembered, you know, a lot of us dismiss some of the things that have happened in our life, major events. And there were two major events in my life that made me realize our thoughts create reality. Okay. Mm -hmm. The first one is I was almost deaf as a kid. Uh, I had a bout of, um, you know, you know Ear, inner ear infections from the time I was about six years of age until I was 10. And I literally was laying in the pill, pillow overnight, sobbing myself to sleep as my ears were draining in pain. Mm -hmm. And at 10 years of age, they're giving me these horse pills, you know, these huge pills that my parents had to grind up. And uh, I had to drink because the pain was just horrible. My father being a chiropractor, you know, he had the belief that the body will heal itself. And he was right. But one night the pain got so bad, Michelle, I prayed to God. I just said, either, either let me die or, or heal this, please. Mm -hmm. And I sobbed for about 10 more minutes. I mean, we're talking 10 year old kid, 11 years old enough, just, mm -hmm. and, uh, I heard a pop and the pain just went away. My ears drained and I went to sleep that night and I never had ear problems ever again divine intervention. Totally. Mm -hmm. And then the second major event in my life is um, I broke my ankle on the football field during band camp. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, some of you are laughing because, you know, the story leads up. It sounds like, oh, football. Yeah, I get it. No, drumline. <laughs> uh, what the hell kind of drumline were you in? Uh, <laughs> here's what happened. Uh, the drummers, as you know, are usually... Um, rowdy mischievous so nice. we're waiting while we're we're on the the football field during band camp you know we're practicing and my my band was very um how can i say it aggressive with competition we were one of the top bands back when they they did this and uh so our drumline was pretty big we had 17 members in the drumline so we were taking a break and all of a sudden everybody's sitting around and they're bragging about what bones they broke so one guy's like, oh, I broke my collarbone doing this. And somebody said, I, I did this. I broke this. Look at this. And everybody's comparing everything. And I very um, haughtily <laughs> bragged, I've never had a broken bone in my body ever. Mm. Ten minutes later, I broke my ankle. Ah! And I thought to myself, that was the weirdest thing. Mm. 
How did that happen? So for the next six weeks of my senior year, I couldn't march and I had a solo. Mm. So my friend Fred Glick had to take over the solo. And I thought to myself, did my thoughts, did my saying it out loud mm. manifest that? Mm. And from that moment on, I mean, I'm 18 years old or 17 and a half going on 18. And I realized from that moment on, I have to start paying attention to my thoughts, my words, how I speak about myself even mm. in this world. And those two events changed the trajectory of my entire life. Mm, so beautifully put. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, right. Because you are a mega manifester. Uh, and 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 you have changed course many times over oh yeah. and i and i believe that right now from at least observation and experience with you in connection this is your greatest yet to be however you did say something when we started this conversation around how your ex-wife uh really helped you also change the trajectory of your life so can oh, we yeah. talk about that moment because that was the pivot to, to really what's leading you here now yeah, it's um, uh, shout out to Norma. Uh, mm -hmm. What happened is we were together for about 20 years. And when we first met, we met uh, in the religion of Ekankar. I used to be a member. And mm. um, she and I, when we started dating, she's from Haiti, from mm -hmm. down in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. She speaks uh, four languages, uh, you know, fluently, French, Creole, Spanish, and English. Mm -hmm. uh, her sister is the same way and can speak German on top of it. Uh, they have this mind that works, you know, photographically, it's mind blowing. Mm. But anyways, we would have a couple of arguments in the beginning when we first started dating, you know, you're in an interracial relationship and she, we never argued over race issues. It was always um, cultural and mm. upbringing and certain things like that. So we got into a few arguments and she finally said to me one day, she goes, you're too American in the way you see things. Mm. I said, what are you talking about? And she goes, there is no such thing as good and evil around the world. There's positive and negative. Yes, there is evil. I'm, she said, I'm not going to lie to you. There is evil, but you can't see all these political things from one perspective or the American perspective. You have to look at the influences behind everything. So at first I'm angry at that because, you know, America's the greatest country in the world, you know, so, yeah, you know that's, that's my attitude. You know, I grew up in a small town, you know, we were boy scouts, you know, yes, uh, yes. football on Sundays, you know, we're America, you know, and mm -hmm. my, uh, my great uncles all fought <laughs> in world war II, So I was raised that way, mm -hmm. but she handed me a book, a series of books and newsletters from a geopolitical analyst named Richard Mayberry. And uh, he's not a conspiracy theorist. It's all pure how money works, how the financial part or the money part of history has been removed. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a series of 13 books that cover everything from how the Roman Empire manipulated the currency and how that affects us today, mm -hmm. as well as how to understand inflation, government, mm -hmm. monetary policy, mm -hmm. the war in the Mideast that's been mm -hmm. going on for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. And when you read these things from pure monetary point of view, it jars you awake. And these books are used for people who are doing home study courses. Mm -hmm. So on the road to awakening, it isn't always this epiphany that strikes your third eye and you sit up and you go, oh, wow, now I have no God. You know, it's more along the lines of there's little tiny trips, mm -hmm. smacks to the back of the head, 
somebody comes into your life and you realize their purpose or you read something that leads you to the next staircase. Mm -hmm. And that's what Mayberry did. You know, we talked on, on my podcast about reading David Icke. Well, mm -hmm. I couldn't have read David Icke if I hadn't read Mayberry first, yeah, because it, it opened the door to how, uh, Govern our government, our modern government today works. It, it actually, you know what it was, Michelle. Let me let me correct this. This is probably the best thing uh, for your audience. It showed me the structure in which our lower worlds work. Mm. That's what it showed me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really well said. Thank you. And I'm sure that includes, you know, the Federal Reserve. And I yes. mean, yeah, of course. So yeah, that's an interesting perspective. And you're right. The awakenings come in different layers. Right. And, and so, and so that actually brings me to a, a segue into your podcast and us connecting there. Uh, when you invited me on, remember I had been watching you speak truth and being what I considered bold and brave AF. I was like, good for Brad Solace. Who would have thought, right? Uh, because the people that I was associating you with that I had met you through, let's just say they were not. And I don't right. know what that means. You have no idea just because someone is expressing publicly what their actual personal beliefs are, right? Or what they're right. also waking up to. Um, but that said, when you invited me to come on to Awaken Nation, I just assumed, which is a terrible thing to do, but I did do that, that everybody was was sharing their awakening stories with you, <laughs> awakening to the matrix, awakening to government, awake, right? Like all of it. Yeah. And nope, that's just what you and I did. <laughs> yeah. But they're all awakenings in one way or another. And that part now I understand and I can I can actually yeah. see very clearly with the benefit of hindsight, right? But that was yeah. just such an, in, but it was where you and I were supposed to connect. It's just like you were supposed Absolutely. to be on the panel that day. There are no well, mistakes. No, none. And, and I have had enlightened uh, people who are in the ascension, you know, part of this, who are, who are speaking absolute truth. Like I've had on um, Michael Howell. Michael Howell actually used to write policy for the government, for Nancy Pelosi and uh, uh, Chuck Schumer. And he said, these people don't care about us. And he started writing books revealing their plans. And so I've had him on. He's powerful uh, and he's he's in the research arena. And then I've had on people, you know, like Bearheart, who does ayahuasca journeys. Mm -hmm. So I I take people who have awakened within their own state of consciousness and are changing our world because we are a multicolored tapestry of awakening right now. Mm -hmm. And so I like to look at it as we're all on an escalator heading up and you look to the left and you look to the right. And some of our compatriots are ahead of us. Some are behind us. Some are just starting. Mm. Uh, some are old souls, some are young souls. Mm -hmm. And so those that are awakening, uh, those are the P and I don't mean to use that term in a, in an arrogant way, in any way, shape or form. It's just that there's a place we've crossed into where now our eyes are wide open and we're like, Oh man, they've been lying about that. Or that, that particular channel is propaganda, or I feel the light from other people, uh, or you're empathic like myself. Um, you know, for a number of years, I hid my empathic abilities, but I, I used it in business. <laughs> I can walk in the room and go, that guy's not going to pay us. That one is, you know, my business partners would look at me like, how do you do that? Um, and because <laughs> yeah, they were pure left brain. Yeah. Uh, one of my business partners, this is a little side story. 
he couldn't talk about God or spirituality at all. He thought I was crazy. And then we'd go out and he'd have about four or five beers. And then he'd turn around to look at me. And then I knew he was drunk. He would go, I feel God when I'm on top of a mountain and the sun's setting and I feel this energy. And then he'd be like, oh, yeah. And I would start laughing. I go, okay, you've had enough to drink. <laughs> you know, because he could know he couldn't talk about God until he was ripper and drunk. That's uh, hilarious. But yeah. yet at the same time, there's such a co-resonance there, right? Like, yeah, right. me too. So I'm curious, just to go back to something that you shared a moment ago, because you mentioned Ekinkar. And when I first heard that you were a part of Ekinkar for what, 30 years? Yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. It actually snagged my attention because my grandmother on my mom's side, Grandma Mary Shermahorn, such an incredibly strong, wise, benevolent woman who's passed on. However, she was an Ekinkar. And one of the prized possessions of my grandmother's jewelry box, which there weren't a whole lot, but it was the the X symbol on a yeah. beautiful, you know, sterling silver pendant that had some diamonds on it. And my mother currently wears it. I'm pretty sure it's going to get to my sister. And I'm not going to get it. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. But you mentioned that you used to be a member. And because I have a point of where I'm going, because so many people in their awakening are starting to detach from the ideologies of religion or dogma. And I yes. have no idea what Ekinkar was for you. Um what was happening that you awakened to that you were no longer in resonance of that being your maybe guidance? Maybe you, had, yeah. it was complete, but yeah. What was that story? The thing about Ekinkar is I discovered it in 1989 after moving to New York city and searching and searching for like five, six years. Mm -hmm. I uh, grew up Catholic and then Christian. And then I, I just, I kept running into people who were reading books and then quoting spouting books, you know, you know what I mean? Dogma. And they weren't living from this spiritual core that I am soul, you know, God put us here on earth. That's what I believe. And we're all here on a mission. So I was trying to discover my family, basically my path that was going to help me wake up. I didn't know it at the time, but that's what I was doing. I was a seeker. And so, you know, it was literally like the modern equivalent of trying to find an ashram in the middle of the Himalayas. And so I had moved to New York City. So I went to everything, Unity Church. I even went to Scientology. Mm -hmm. And after three months, I said, no, you guys don't know anything about spirituality. I walked away from it. Mm -hmm. um, and I looked at everything, you know, and I'm not judging Scientology. It, wor it really works for some people. Mm -hmm. um, but I went to everything, Christian churches, uh, everywhere. And one day I'm at work and this woman, you know, she, she seemed really, really young and I was an art director and she was running the computer graphics department. And, uh, you know, I'm a designer for those of you who don't know. <clears throat> and, uh, I would go in there and I, despite our deadlines, I would go in and I talked to her and she, I go, well, what about reincarnation? And she'd have these great answers. I go, well, what about soul? And she'd have another answer. I was like, this person's deep. And she looked like a kid. I mean, she looked like she might have been maybe, you know, 18 or 19. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, what do you study? She goes, I study Ekinkar. Would you like a book? I said, sure, I'd love one. She brings one in. Mm -hmm. I literally would read a paragraph and a half and then fall sound asleep out like a light. Mm -hmm. And so I came in the next day and I kept reading and we'd have discussions on what I just read. 
And I, she goes, there's an event coming up soon. I'd like to invite you as a guest. We're going to go out to New Jersey, my husband and I, with a friend. Well, how about you tag along? So I went and I met people that were, they were literally, Michelle, walking light bodies. I mean, people were glowing. Mm-hmm. And there was a there was a moment where people could share. And one woman stood up and she said, you know, my, my son was killed in a horrific car accident and I prayed and this and happened and that happened. And she was happy. And everybody said, they raised their hand. They go, how long has your son been dead? She goes three months. And we were astounded that she had recovered from this. Well, she began to explain that her son came to her in a dream. And he said, mom, I left my physical body long before that car accident happened. So I did not suffer. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to worry. And this gave her such powerful solace. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I'm I'm listening and everybody was just, I couldn't believe the energy coming from these people. Mm-hmm. And basically Akin Carr believes in dreams, past lives and soul travel. Mm-hmm. And you have a personal connection with God. You don't need a third party telling you how to interpret this. You do it on your own and you just have to learn and practice it just like a muscle. You practice leaving the body and all this. And I said to myself, well, this, this sounds pretty cool. Okay. And I went home that night and I thought they sang this mantra called Hugh, you know, it's just Hugh like that. You sing it out like the word Hugh. I said, "Eh, let me, let me try this. Let me see if this works. You know? So I sang it for about 10 minutes, did a little contemplation, and then I went to sleep. Well, I don't know how long it was, but all of a sudden uh, there was this robed being at the foot of my bed (laughs) and he says come with me he Mm. pulled me out of my physical body i could see my body on the bed as i'm going up in the sky Mm. and we went very high wherever it was i don't know but we went to this temple and we walked inside and it was like an old catholic church it was literally in black and white Mm. and i saw all the the dust in the rays of light and there were thousands of people in pews and tattered rags and they're rowing at in the pews and i'm like what is going on i look at this dream master and he looks at me and smiles and i look back and i notice everybody's in chains but the chains are not locked and i walked up and there was this old woman just she had her head down and she was rowing and rowing and i flipped open her chains and i yelled you're free you're free you can get out of here Mm. and it, it was just old and stale. And I turned around and I looked at the, this dream master who brought me there and he smiled and telepathically, he said, what do you think this means? Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I said, these are the people of the world chained to their religious beliefs and ideals. Mm. And I looked back at him and he smiled and all of a sudden I didn't know it, but I had chains on and they popped open and went and hit the wooden floor hard. And all of a sudden I go through time and space slammed back into my body so hard i sat bolt upright wide awake and went what the hell was that wow Wow. and so that began my spiritual awaken awakening i was a shaken awake hard like that wow so yeah. yeah through astral travel through having i don't know was it one of your angelic guides uh masters uh how old were you was that in 89 I was in 89. I guess I was around 20, 26, 27, 28. So close to there. your, yeah. So Saturn return also, right? So that's yeah. interesting. Okay. So then, all right. So that's wild. Yeah. And, and now and, you and go on this journey for 30 years. Yeah. 
And I've had, I could write a book just on spiritual stuff that's happened to me through my whole life, you know, from childhood to today. Um, miracles, huge miracles. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened is you begin to grow and rise up in consciousness. And all that means is consciousness is a particular type of awareness that is independent of your mind. Yes. In other words, it's not your thoughts that's driving you, it's you as soul. Mm -hmm. So there's habits that each one of us has mm -hmm. in this lifetime that we don't think about them, we just do them. You know, maybe, maybe you really have huge amounts of compassion for the homeless. Where does that come from? Mm -hmm. That's an innate inner thing. It's not from the mind. You just, you have compassion. Mm -hmm. And so as I grew in consciousness and, and it wasn't Ekankar that did this, it was the spiritual exercises that they offer, which you, you do before you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning. And they're basically just uh, meditations that, you know, a lot of other spiritual uh, Eastern philosophies teach. Mm -hmm. And so all these do is expand your awareness, your consciousness, raise your vibration up, up, up and higher. And it helps you see the world in a very, very different way. Mm -hmm. And because I did the work, you know, I got the initiations, but um, I was able to write my books. I was able to now feel more comfortable going out and talking about spirituality and not being afraid of being in the limelight a little bit, because I, when I first started becoming a keynote speaker, Michelle, I have to be honest with you. Uh, part of me was like, you know, that's, that's ego driven. I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know, you have to have a big ego to get by on stage and do all this stuff. And I got a very loud voice in the back of my head that basically said, no, I need you in the limelight. Mm -hmm. This is your calling and I need you to represent me out there, meaning God. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And, and I, I really was horrible in the beginning, but um, I got better. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, so that, you know, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. It's a great story. I, though, I am curious, of course, the transitioning out of Ekankar, what happened there and when was that? That was around 2004. And just like any any religion or any uh, dogma or any group, they, they change a little bit. Yeah. And I realized I didn't need that um, mm -hmm. to be able to be in a certain state of consciousness. I mm -hmm. didn't feel that I needed to follow a guru, let's say, or this or that. It was more of uh, the best way I can put it is sometimes we're taught that if you just meditate enough, if you just keep meditating, you're going to get there. And I learned the art of integration. Mm -hmm. It became instantaneous. Mm. And so something very strange shifted. And this is, you know, all the work I did for so many years, including therapy, you know, I went to therapy as well and learned a lot of different things. And we talked about ayahuasca on my show. Mm -hmm. But what started to happen is if I came up with a concept that I wanted to pursue, instead of studying and, and doing mind gymnastics, <laughs> I started to realize that I could just take that knowledge and just sort of step into it. Mm. I, and I can't describe it. You know, I'm an Aquarius. Somebody, that's what somebody said, a friend of mine, he, he's Taurus. And I tried to explain it to him and he goes, you're Aquarius. This is how you do stuff. I'm like, okay. Although <laughs> I'm not Aquarius and some say I'm Taurus, although it looks like I'm Gemini, although that's a debate depending on who, who tells me what, 
but nevertheless, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's it's acting as if, but from the inside of it, because you already are. Right. Yeah. And, and here's something I, I want to say about, you know, the astrology and astronomy <laughs> and all this. They used to be one science, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, astrology and astronomy used to be one science. And I don't follow the horoscopes. You know, I don't do that. But I do know... I have traits that let's say my girlfriend, who is eventually going to be my um, my life partner, fiance, mm -hmm. um, but she is a Virgo, and many of the traits that they talk about with Virgos, she has them, mm -hmm. and I have those traits. When it comes to energy, I am an Aquarius. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, mm -hmm. I can go one o'clock in the morning if I'm exhausted. I can grab energy from the air and just keep going. Mm. And it's just a very, I noticed I had that when I was a kid, if I was tired and I wanted to stay up, I just, mm. and boom, I could keep going. What is that process like? It's sort anyone of anyone listening who wants to try that on. I can't even describe it. It's sort of like breathing for us. Mm. Um, I'll give you a good example. When I was in drumline and, you know, all my friends wanted to go out late, you know, we're in a small town. I would just go, um, I would feel tired, like I wanted to go home and I would just turn around and I would just straighten my posture and just fill up with energy. I mean, I, I can't describe it any more than that. Just fill myself up with energy. And for some people, they may have to do breathing exercises, like, if, you know, that four, 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 super fast. And that brings their chi up, but it's, it's chi energy. So it's, it's literally we've kind of mastered some of that if you're and it's not just aquarius i think virgos have that ability too and there's a couple of other physical signs that can do this i'm um, pretty sure it's it's sort of your astrological status is not necessarily a condition to be able to, it's to drop into the totality of your energy <laughs> i i believe that each of us has all the abilities that we all embody Totally. We all have it. Trust me on that. Yeah. You can tap into energy no matter what, who you are, if you've yeah. learned this, this, the thing, but some of us are born with it innately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely know Virgos have a high sense of psychic abilities and intuition. They mm -hmm. just come with it. Um, it. It's part of the, the part and parcel. Tauruses, their left brain is, is so well developed. You know, you see a lot of scientists are Taurus. Yeah. Um, engineers as well. They're yeah. either Scorpios or they're Taurus, you know, one or the other, um, you know, so I see it sometimes. Um, but, uh, and I know we're dwelling on it. So it sounds ridiculous when I say I'm not into this stuff, but you know, <laughs> I, I follow, I can see when somebody's of a compatible sign for me, let's put it that way. Yeah, beautiful. And of course, classically, like they say that a Virgo and an Aquarius would not be as compatible, but it all depends on your level of consciousness and the evolution of your humanness, really, right? You've mentioned yeah. many times, you know, what am I? I am soul. And I want to talk about that moment of your true awakening uh, sure. that you had mentioned before we even hit record. But I also want, there's so much coming through. So I just want to like pick and choose, but, but just kind of Staying consistent with my original point of asking about the exit and or transition out of Ekankar. And it was really for you, it was a completion. It was 
the purpose has been fulfilled. I've now yeah. moved into the art of integration. I don't need it in the same way that I once did when it was all new and it was novel and it was my awakening, right? It was that portal. Right. And I, I want to just offer up, um, because there's so many, I think, that are getting curious and or might feel bad about even being curious about, is there something else for me in this life? And, and especially in the world of religion, this is specifically to, to, to I right. guess, where the conversation wants to go. Yeah. Um, and I know because I have many people in my life, many, many friends specifically, that in the past two years have really doubled down on their religious thoughts, beliefs, ideologies, but maybe they weren't doing that two years ago. Right. And I have all kinds of thoughts around that. And yet they are curious that there might be something else, but maybe they don't allow themselves to even be curious. Right. What would that mean? So can you talk about that for a moment? That beginning sure. of being curious. I I want to liken it to this. You know, I, I meet a lot of older people who suddenly picked up the Bible maybe in the last five years. Mm -hmm. And now they're running around and they're yelling at everybody that they have to, you know, accept Christ into their life. I've seen a and, lot of that. And that's fear-based yes. because they know they're going to die. Mm. It's plain and simple. They know that they may not have lived a very good life. So they are now just going crazy and reading and that, you know, I'm going to say that and it bleeds over into you because they're going to now yell at you for not doing what they're doing. I've spent my entire life having a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. Mm. So when I hear people like this, it really takes a lot of patience for me to go, thank you. Mm -hmm. I understand. <laughs> okay. So in the last two to three years, people have started to realize many of the things that have been foretold in the Bible and in other religious texts that were in end of days. Mm -hmm. So they are diving even deeper into religion not in the not into awakening in here and in their mind and heart mm -hmm. but into religion and if that's where you can start that's fine yeah exactly i'm not judging that in any way shape or form but ask yourself why you're doing it mm -hmm. is it out of fear or is it to create a wonderful loving relationship with your creator god mm -hmm. now i'm not talking universe i'm talking the person the being the whatever light that created souls mm -hmm. that have come into this world. Mm -hmm. What is your relationship with mm -hmm. that, that, that being? And you can enter through Christ Jesus, or you can enter through Buddha or whatever, but you have to have some kind of relationship with spirit simply because we are in a time right now where the earth is splitting in two, mm -hmm. where we have very negative people and you, you know who they are. They are people who they can't see this stuff. They're angry. They like war. They want to go to war. They want to make a billion dollars and keep it all to themselves or whatever. And I'm not knocking people who make money. I'm just talking about the hoarders, the people who don't care about humanity. We are going to split. And where it's going to happen is those negative Nancys are going to go down in vibration and stay there. And a new cycle is going to begin for them. And we are entering into a vibration where those of you who, of us who consistently every single day do a spiritual exercise to keep our vibration high mm -hmm. and commit to learning 
-hmm. spiritual lessons, mm -hmm. spiritual law, and do the spiritual exercises and have love in our heart and try mm -hmm. to help humanity at this time, we're going to rise in a different vibrational reality. And it's mm -hmm. happening right now. We see it right now. We're splitting in two. Mm -hmm. um, and the problem that happens nowadays, you know, you, you asked me this question, I'll, I'll go back to when did I really realize I was sold? You asked me, mm -hmm. uh, I think before we started this mm -hmm. and what happened is I remember in Ekinkar, I would do the spiritual exercises and we had, uh, initiations. And at one point I woke up and I looked at my hands mm -hmm. and I realized they weren't real. They weren't me. They were mm -hmm. part of me. I was soul and I had put on these gloves called the meat body, basically. Mm -hmm. And one, and it wasn't in the mind. It was now my consciousness understood that I'm a visitor here and I can do whatever I want in this world. And I have a mission. We all have a mission and it might be very subtle mission. And once you start asking, what is my mission? What is my mission? You'll figure it out in time. And it evolves. Like you, you asked me when we first started, how did I go from this person you saw being an MC to what I'm doing now? Mm -hmm. And when I asked about my mission, because it's an ongoing process, I was told that everything I did before was nothing compared to what I'm about to do now. Mm -hmm. And my future is going to be much bigger than what I've done in the past. Mm -hmm. And part of it is my mission is to have and ignite game-changing conversations that help people wake up mm -hmm. and it's everywhere. I mean, you talked about dog, the bounty hunter. I was shocked by their conversation. And he is a devout Christian mm -hmm. and they talked about all these little God winks along the way that helped mm -hmm. him and Francie heal after both their spouse's death mm -hmm. and they grew. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away by that. Your conversation blew me away mm -hmm. simply because you spoke about your mother, you know, helping your mother do ayahuasca, and then you wind up doing it and having this huge healing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, instead of having just somebody sitting there to help you through it, it's Panache Desai, you know, no. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, the, the, you know, this is all happening super fast. And we are in a day and age right now where the ascension vibration is hitting all of us mm -hmm. because we're in an area of the galaxy, wherever we're at where we're getting bombarded with photons that are agitating this world mm -hmm. and forcing and shaking people awake. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many of your friends, Michelle, two years ago, didn't believe a word that came out of your mouth. And now they're calling you up going, I, I, I just saw this in the news, mm -hmm. or I just read this book. And now all of a sudden they're like, you were so right. How did you know? Because mm -hmm. we're all awakening at different places in different times right now. Actually, it's interesting. Thank you so much for that perspective. I love getting some of those nuances of the texture and context. Mm. Um, the art of integration keeps coming through because I would say in myself included that me and many of my friends, especially those that I was really associated with socially, uh, we were the ones who memorized certain things and we could, we could walk a good talk <laughs> you yep. know what i mean talk a good talk that's what i, I like but i like what you said walk a good talk <laughs> that's really what it was but we weren't really walking the walk yeah am i saying yeah. this right that sounds wrong but but it's, i think i'm making my point walking the talk or talking the walk yeah you're right yeah ish okay 
I guess because even that feels so inverse these days, Brad, like what I've come to know is so back then we would spout off these statements, these quotes, and it's like, and that should be enough. And it's for net. And now I look back at that and I'm like, okay, that was who I was. And that's what I did. And it's how I built up my seven figure coaching and training business. And I was basically like a mini Tony Robbins. Right. But I look back and I'm like, Ooh, most of not all certainly definitely not all, but most of self-development keeps you in a chronic state of disassociation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like just go say the thing or create the vision board or, you know, talk about the goals. And it's like, what about all that we've come here to actually work out? That is the true honoring of our karma known as shadow and trauma and darkness. So that's really what I think is the initiation in the collective of humanity is one big global initiation of shadow, shadow to light. So going back to your statement and or comment around, I bet most of your friends, Michelle are like saying, Hey, Oh, now it's different. It's like, it's so different because of my own awakening. So I didn't integrate fully what I was spouting out, but yet I walked such a good, I, I, I don't even know what the phrase is. I can't even, I can't even relate to it anymore. I sounded so good and my mask was so tight that I didn't ever have you really look at, at anything going on under the hood. Now that I'm coming out and being so honest about all the areas that I had to clean up, like deep, deep down within my own connection to God, spirit, mother, father, God, however you want to refer to that. Now it's just so palpable because it's my vibration. So now my friends will say, they don't even wonder what I'm eating or what I'm drinking or what I'm reading. It's like, how did you get there? Right? It's more of that, but it doesn't have any dogma. It's doing the real deep inner work of surrender. It's, um, I used to take stand-up comedy classes. I don't know if you know this about me, but I was a stand-up comedian for eight years. After I left Wall Street, I needed something creative. And my comedy coach was Tim Davis. Big shout out to him. He was more of a corporate trainer, but he started in comedy. And one of the things he said to me, I was up on stage and I was you know, practicing and I was working the early crowds you know, on a Saturday. <laughs> and I get off stage and he says to me, I said, what am I, what am I doing wrong? What's going on? He says, you suffer from perfectionism. Mm-hmm. He goes, you're from a small town. Am I right? And I said, yes. He goes, well, you have been taught this nonsense that you have to be perfect in every way, perfect hair, perfect stance, perfect everything. Mm. And I was kind of a little upset when he said that, but then I realized it was like, huh? That's what happens, you know, the perfectionist syndrome or appearing perfect. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, I worked very hard at the craft to be, do something dorky, silly, ridiculous, even if it was embarrassing to break that. And, you know, what happens now, you know, you can see it in my show when you and I have a conversation in person, mm-hmm. there's no pretension there. It's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, you know, it is what it is. And sometimes it's better if I just shut the, you know, what up, mm-hmm. um, but breaking away from trying to look spiritual, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I swear I smoke a cigar once in a while, drink a glass of wine. Um, but I work on myself, you know, if I have one anchor point in this world, but everything else I've worked really hard on clearing out and doing the shadow work, 
mm-hmm. I think I think that's a pretty good thing. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're kind of hard on ourselves and perfectionists. When you suffer from that perfection mm-hmm. syndrome, you can beat yourself up for not mm-hmm. being perfect or not mm-hmm. being good, a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I went to Catholic school as a kid. And that can mess you up for life because you, you can literally think you're a bad person after you've just fed the homeless, you know, for six weeks. You can punish yourself because that's what they believe. Because Jesus was punished, you know, so I should be punishing myself. I let that go a long time ago. I let go of guilt. Guilt is another manipulation tool. I look at it more along the lines of, you know, I did my best today. I wasn't perfect. Yeah, I lost my temper, um, but I'm not sitting and wallowing in the guilt of losing my temper like I did when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't believe in justified anger. Mm -hmm. I do believe sometimes you just got to let it out. You hit a heavy bag, you let it go. But Mm -hmm. I've done more shadow work on myself in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. than I probably did in the previous, you know, 30 or 40, where I was cognitively, you know, searching for this and working on this mm-hmm. and ayahuasca was part of that peyote as well mm-hmm. um but this uh it wasn't like okay i'm gonna meditate on this i'm gonna just take that negative part of myself and love and embrace it mm-hmm. and ask myself what created it uh is there a trauma behind it do i need to give it more love mm-hmm. but the moment we push it away the, is the moment that we create a bond with it where it has to come back. Mm-hmm. It's almost like uh, in quantum physics, what do they call that? Um, quantum entanglement. Yes. So you try to push your negative stuff away, it's going to come back hard on you. Right. It's why people who just stand up and say, you know, I'm not drinking alcohol anymore, you know, and they don't really work on why they drink. It's going to come back hard mm-hmm. um, because when you, when you, go deep inside yourself and you try to figure out your traumas, what caused them, how to heal them, uh, and embrace them. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it just, it's a healing. It's a mitzvah as, as the Jewish people say Mm -hmm. in Yiddish, it's a mitzvah, you know, it's a blessing. It's a little bit of magic. Mm -hmm. Um, embrace those dark parts of yourself. Don't push them away. Um, Mm -hmm makes you more interesting anyways. <laughs> yeah. And also it's the embodiment of liberation. That's soul liberation. So if I am soul, then this entanglement of these addictions and or the traumas that are causing the desire for the addiction, right? To soothe the pain, the suffering that's been programmed by the way, because yeah. the truth of our soul is never been hurt, harmed or in danger. Yeah. Right. And so, but yet we come here with our schoolroom curriculum. At least this is my belief at current time. And we're excited to work out these things known as quote perfectionism. That was one that um, definitely was an overriding uh, lie in my life that by the way, was fantastic for driving me to so much success. Oh yeah. I mean, for uh, me to achieve every bucket list dream, right? Like, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. And then when you realize, oh, that was all ego. That was all to satiate that deepest wound, which is that I'm not good enough and I'll never be worthy and or lovable unless I'm on TV or unless I'm making seven figures or all these things, right? Yeah. Uh, unless I'm in that relationship where I'm that size, that's a big one for women, especially. So I'd love to know from you under the perfectionism, what was that underlying lie that you were really finally willing to embrace? 
it's it's been levels, okay, mm-hmm. of letting it go. So mm-hmm. it really was. I was raised by my stepfather, who was a tough Hungarian, never told me he was proud of me. Mm. And so a lot of what I've done, he trained me to not be Aquarius, which anybody who knows what I'm talking <laughs> about knows we're, we have our head in the clouds, you know, you walk um, to the beat of your own drum. Let's yes. just put it that way. Oh my God, <laughs> I <yeah>. love Aquarians. <laughs> but my dad brought me down to earth and gave me discipline to achieve everything I've achieved. Mm-hmm. But most of what I achieved was to prove him wrong. Yeah. You know, he always believed, you know, you're going to be a starving artist or you're going to, uh, you know, you, you're never going to make it in life. And, you know, it was, it, was, it really pushed me, you know, um, I think up until, and even till this day, I have a tendency to bite my fingernails. He made me a nervous Nelly mm. and uh, it took me a lifetime to you know, realize I have certain skills. My dad was very angry. So a skill I picked up was humor. Boom. I can make anybody laugh. I've made, I've done keynote speeches in front of lawyers and they're howling <laughs> accountants and lawyers. If you can get them to laugh, you can get anybody. to yes, laugh. So yes. that I turned that trauma-based skill into a success skill. So mm-hmm. I put it in my writing. I put it in everything I do, mm-hmm. uh, my show, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the second part of that is because my dad was on, on my rear end all the time, Um, my stepsister actually said this, she goes, you can never do anything small. You have to do it big. Like you're showing big, you know, you're going big. I'm like, yeah, I guess it's because I've learned to, in order to, you know, because my dad was never somebody who'd look at my grades and go, good job, kid. You know, he never did that. He's like, oh, okay. I was expected to get A's and B's. I was expected to be great at everything. Mm. And so I didn't just become a drummer. I became captain of the drum line. You know, I didn't, I started training in jujitsu, Kempo jujitsu at 45 years of age, got my black belt in five years. Which is like almost unheard of, right? Right. At any age. Yeah. And so I, I, and then I, I, uh, I wrote a, an international bestseller, you know, and my, it was all driving to get my dad's attention. It's like, Hey, look at me. Look, can you, that he wasn't, the kind of man who could say he was proud of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we did have a lot of love in the house, you know, a lot of love and affection. I was raised very European, which means by the time I was 18, I was considered a man, you know, and I was given a lot of freedom. But before that, it was discipline and knowledge and learn. And, you know, I, I had a day runner before the, the company was invented. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Schedules and everything. But when I learned to let that go and use those skills in a much more powerful service, not only to humanity, but to myself, that's when life changed. And I had to explore the shadow parts, the anger, uh, the, the things that were driving me in my life. And the more I embrace them, the more I go into them and, and give them love, the, the more uh, I not only grow in this world and become a better vehicle to serve humanity, mm-hmm. but I think it also attracts the right people into my life. I know, you know, I had a three or four year period when I first came to Vegas where I just kept attracting bad business partners and mm-hmm. friendships would, would, uh, turn. I had gossip around me from people. And I, I realized it was in a low vibration that was attracting that. Mm-hmm. And if, if you, if those of you who are listening are having a series of the same type of people riding into your life all the time and disappointing you, do what I did. I had to take a good close look at myself, 
at a, what was I tolerating in my life? Mm -hmm. Was I too compassionate? This is a rough one for people mm -hmm. being an empath. You can have way too much compassion. Mm -hmm. I had way too much compassion for this one person. And it turned out they were a professional con man and they were playing me. Mm. And also some of the people that you and I know personally, they love that gossip, you know, that the gossip is a bad thing because nine out of 10 times it's not true. And mm -hmm. it destroys other relationships that you could have had with people. Mm -hmm. And so I walked away from all that drama and just keep my vibration high and stay away from the warning signs out there, <laughs> you know, cause we're always going to attract because that's the test. You will always continue to attract those people, but now you spot them either earlier or they make a left-hand turn before they get to you, but you can see them now. And it's an ongoing lesson of, of uh, protecting yourself. Yeah, really. And growing, right? Like I, I, oh, yeah. I, we as humans like to operate with linear time. And of course, spirit isn't linear at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So the true essence of our, of our pure nature is not measured in any linear way. However, that said, I like to look back and see the progress. Yeah. And it was interesting because just yesterday, my sister said to me, when did you stop attracting trauma bonded relationships? Ooh, Whether good. that was, yeah. Or maybe I posed it. I can't remember, but we were having a conversation together in person. She was visiting for my mom's birthday. And I said, because there was a recent relationship that it was very clear right away within like four or five months of us getting super serious. And my listeners know that was late fall into winter of, um, I went on a, on a hiatus of the show and I could tell, oh, this is trauma bonding. And so I just was, and this person was unaware. It would, it would be pointless to try to bring this up. It was yeah. on me to be able to recognize it, not judge them for where they are on their journey. Their journey is perfect. Exactly as they are evolving, right? In their schoolroom curriculum, schoolroom earth curriculum. But it was on me to be able to notice this is no longer, a, this is not going to be in alignment with where I'm actually going. Same thing for friendships. So that said, though, I can look back on that beautiful moment and see it as such a gift. So yeah. as we begin to wrap, because I know that you also believe everything is always working for us, happening for us, never to us. What is the gift inside your dad's never being proud of you? Uh, energy and connection with you learn learning to um you you froze a little bit um mm -hmm. learning to be proud of myself mm -hmm. learning to give myself that attention learning to love me um and it's on very very subtle levels uh you know you and i talked about cleansing you know the in, internal body work and external and all that i've been doing that lately and i do it out of love i relax a little bit more um, I can outwork most people mm -hmm. and I, but I got out of that hustle culture, mm -hmm. you know, because that's a lot of times it's just busy work yeah. to, to, to try and prove something. And instead I focused, uh, on learning new skills and learning, uh, different things and writing from a different perspective. And now looking at my guests that I have on the show and asking deeper questions and you can't do any of the real work you want to do on planet earth unless you clean up and clear this stuff out because it's like do you ever remember the beginning of the the movie and the and the play a christmas carol mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Bob Marley, the ghost of Bob Marley, is carrying all these chains with the, the ledgers and the books and the things he uses in accounting, weighing him down because he didn't bother to stop and enjoy life, learn and give back. And so he's, these are the change I've forged in life, you know, <laughs> and was it Bob Marley? Or what was it? What was it? Jacob Marley? Sorry. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. No, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> Another vibe. Hey man, these are the chains I forged in life, man. And then he'd break into song. Yeah. It's so true. Hey woman, no cry. No. Um, Jacob Marley. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it sounded yeah, yeah. it sounded perfect um and shame on me because i've seen a christmas carol on broadway several times in new york city with patrick stewart as the one-man oh, wow. show yes oh, wow. marley was dead yeah yeah um getting back to this you know these are the chains we forge in life and unless we work on them we will carry them into the next whatever uh, uh awareness or next lifetime mm -hmm. so we come here, you said it right. This is a school to learn. Mm -hmm. This is a school for learning. This is a school for us to get better, to polish mm -hmm. us as soul and to discover what our true birthright is. What is our mission? Mm -hmm. You know, and um, we're getting there really quickly nowadays. Mm -hmm. I truly believe this ascension time period is speeding up our manifestation abilities. Okay. As long as you work on your shadow stuff, things are coming into our world very quickly. And all I have to say is careful what you wish for, because <laughs> what would happen if you got everything you actually wanted? Mm -hmm. You'd probably we don't cry. have the capacity to be with all of that right now, right? There's incremental yeah. stages. It's not unlike um, looking at your whole past, your childhood, your yeah. stepfather coming into your life when he did, showing you and modeling entrepreneurship, which hadn't been modeled to you, finding Eck and Carr. I mean, all of your path, yeah. right? Like it's brought you to this moment and then and then launching uh, and curating your passion, the Awakened Nation show, which is really a movement. And that's how mm -hmm. we got to deep deepen into our connection yeah. and, and start to see more of what is available for us when we actually start to remove the armor, peel back the layers and to start to question our own thoughts, right? To get really present in our life, to slow down to the speed of wisdom is really what it is. Oh, I like that. <sighs> Slow down to the speed of wisdom. But you yeah. you said something just now that, you know, I really have to stop and honor what you just said. And that is, there is literally nothing in our lives that's wasted. Yes, yes. And I said this to you on my show, everything that you are doing today is using every gift that you have, that you've either earned or have been given. Yes. You're using it in abundance. And it's beautiful to see when somebody takes everything they are and puts it out there to create something. It really, truly, it, it gives me chills to see it. Mm. Mm. Thank you so much for that honoring. Thank you. And, and if you only knew what my gifts that I have been bestowed, we've all been given gifts, but most of us take for granted. And I took mine for granted in my midst, the midst of my awakening these past couple of years, I was like, Oh no. And I just kept denying these divine downloads that were coming through such with such crystal clarity. And I would deem it as ego. I was like, no, that's what you used to do. And then finally, after two years, it was like, 
This is why you're on the planet. And in this time, these are your gifts, girl. Go be fully fortified yeah. and clear, right? And so now I'm literally working on those, those beautiful downloads into uh, fruition. And it does feel effortless. And it does feel like it's very much like, ooh, what my entire life has led to. So yeah. stay tuned. I'm not revealing any details just yet. Um, probably the beginning of next year is when things will be literally online. <laughs> well, you're, you're, um, you're shiny. Let's put it this way. You're glowing <laughs> and, uh, everybody notices it. And that's, you know, that's part of the law of attraction. You know, it's, you become a magnet and especially for the subject matter that you and I are both talking about, yes. um, you are, um, a beam of light that uh, brings people into that circle to listen to these great stories, these great adventures, mm -hmm. these things that are, people are doing. I mean, could you imagine, I mean, maybe in the seventies, this would have been easier, but not in the eighties mm -hmm. and nineties talking about real spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. That was hard to, to talk about, yeah. um, you know, and, and to have guests on and people like Panache, yeah. who's just talking about coming from India and living in London. And yeah. it wasn't a great experience, you know, as no. a kid growing up, mm -hmm. um, Dan Millman, even his book changed my life, the way of the mm -hmm. peaceful warrior. Um, mine uh, too changed my yeah. life. And they did a great job on the film, by the way, with they Nick did. Nolte. Yeah, yeah, which is a really hard to pull off, but they did. Nick Nolte was great. Like, yeah, he was. This is Thanks. a service station, not a gas station. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Service. And Gosh. service is the highest. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, when I saw that you had Dan Millman, and what has he written, like 18, 19 books at this point? Yeah, he's yeah. been a New York Times bestseller multiple times over, mm -hmm. written, um, I think it's 16 to, yeah, yeah 16 books at this point, uh, and very powerful work. Uh, because, uh, you know, he, he has brought to the table something so incredibly powerful because of his work with Aikido mm -hmm. and spirituality <clears throat> and being a gymnast. And one of the things that came out of our conversation that was sort of mind blowing is when you get rid of the mind and you're just in the moment. Mm -hmm. And he talked about winning an international gold medal. Mm -hmm. for his trampoline routine, which was kind of new back then, winning the medal and then jumping in a cab and just going back home. And yeah. what helped him win the medal is when him and his friends would goof around and they wouldn't plan a routine, mm -hmm. which is very hard for gymnasts. They don't just do, you have to have a routine plan. Mm -hmm. That joy in the moment allowed him to let go and win that competition. Mm -hmm. And Man, that that to me was the the meat of the the conversation. And every every conversation has that that piece of meat that makes you. And I'm sorry for if they have vegans on the show. Let's put it this way: that powerful, sustainable moment. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that makes you go. That was the main story mm -hmm. that was brought out. And mm. so I I love that about Dan. You know about Panache. Uh, you know, uh, bear heart, yes. uh, even, even, uh, my business, um, guests that I've had on Stephen M. R. Covey, mm -hmm. the son of, uh, Stephen R. Covey, who wrote mm -hmm. the seven habits of highly effective people, both him and his sister, Cynthia, when they were on my show, the love they had for their father mm -hmm. was, you just sat there melting to hear that this man who everybody adored on stage was the same person off stage. Mm -hmm. That was, that touched my heart. Mm -hmm. You know, these are powerful stories that people can now tell 
And we have this wonderful platform called the internet to allow us to do it. At least for now. <laughs> oh, um, we curious. could do another show on that. <laughs> there, I know, right? Well, there's there's so much to be said about that, but I actually just believe with every fiber of my being that it's it's faith over fear no matter what comes down the pike. And that where they zig, we will zag because there's now there's an estimated over a billion of us that can see right through the charade that can see right. I mean, it's a very real charade and a lot of lives are at risk, but we are at war and that's going to happen, right? There will be casualties. Um, But it's it's even as I recognize living in L.A., the strictest lockdown city in all of America, right? Um, Over the course of the lockdowns, I don't call it a pandemic. Uh, and a lot of my listeners know and resonate, but it's when I look back on that, I'm very blessed, but I kind of glided through. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I flew to Florida. Mm-hmm. I was dating somebody at the time, went to Florida, came back. Somebody asked if I'd been to the Caribbean. Well, Florida is part of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just said, no, you know, it's none of their business. Uh, I'm the son of a chiropractor, as we talked on my show. I know how all this works. I used to work in the pharmaceutical industry, embarrassingly. And I just, yeah, you, you have to follow your innate wisdom and your own intuition that lets you know when you're being lied to, yes. when you're being manipulated. And unfortunately, um, some people are not going to wake up in this, mm-hmm. in this matrix. They're still going to be asleep. And all we can do is take care of ourselves and our own family Mm -hmm. um, and be as loving and gentle as we possibly can. And yes, sometimes you will have to lose your temper uh, to protect your boundaries. That's the only time I really lose my temper or lose it on somebody is they've crossed a line. That's Mm -hmm. it. Uh, But, you know, we're, I guess, Michelle, what it is right now is we are stepping into a time where we are opening up to the original seed of soul mm-hmm. yes. that came in as, as children. And then we had all this training over top of it and trauma and whatever else. And now we're opening the petals back up mm-hmm. and getting back to those original source talents that we came to earth with. Mm-hmm. At least that's for me. Every time I turn around and I, I, I peel back the layer, mm-hmm. <laughs> I realize Oh, I used to love doing that as a child. Yes, me too. You know, I used to have my own show when I was a kid in my me bedroom too. alone. I would have my own microphone and I would yeah. do my own show. I would paint and draw. I would create dioramas. I'd write. Mm-hmm. Um, I, these are, you know, we we are soul. We are immortal and we are free. Yeah. We just happened to, in this time period, we made the agreement with God to come here right now to create stabilized, you know, to stabilize this time line, because wherever there's great evil, there has to be the same amount of good souls here. Mm. It must always be in balance, this world. So as much as we see evil out there, know that you are a piece of the positive light that is the way shower the stabilizer, the person that is doing yourself the greatest justice by awakening and working on yourself. And God bless you for having the courage to do it. That's all I have to say, because it is painful. 
you are going to isolate yourself from family and friends. You're going to find out who your true friends are. And a lot of those people that were angry at you said, you're crazy, you're nuts. They will come back a year, two, five years later and apologize and say, how were you so awake? And I wasn't, <laughs> and I'm not saying that's going to happen to everybody, but all I can say is God bless you for having the courage to step into a bigger world that is stepping us outside of the hustle, the bustle, the, the, the anger, the, the, the lower vibration. It's just wonderful. And thank you, Michelle, as well, for doing such a great service with this podcast. It's, mm -hmm. I love your guests. I love what you're doing. I love your retreats. I see what you're doing online. Mm -hmm. You are, um, you're definitely a light in a mm -hmm. weary world, as William Shakespeare said. Or Willy Wonka, depending on where you you get that. <laughs> <laughs> also, very enlightened souls. Uh, thank you for that. It does it does require a tremendous amount of courage. Of courage, I did not know that I had. Uh, but once the red pill door was opened for me, which was actually the real reason why I was accepted into this fancy business mastermind back in 2021. In February, we had our first in person retreat, which you know about. We talked about on your show. And by like night three, I was, yeah, the door was opened for me. And I'm the one who courageously chose to go through it. And then my life forever changed and you can't change it. You can't go back anyway. No. But yes, to your point of, I would say to my mother and my sister, like I was just in such grief and shame around just telling them that they were crazy and dismissing them and, and giving them the slanderous slur, right. Uh, of your conspiracy theorist. And it was like, Whoa, <laughs> not yeah. all of it is true. Obviously we have to be extremely discerning, but the more that I am courageous, the more that I'm actually able to see just how beautiful it really all is and how powerful we really all are in our authenticity, which is how our lights connected. Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny, I, I've known you for years and I've, you know, I've commented on your page and I've said hello and I've sent you DMs, um, sending you some information here and there. And it wasn't until it was time, it was time. Mm -hmm. And I, I was talking to you about something and I said, Hey, uh, have you, have you ever seen my show? And you were like, yes, I have. And I said, would you like to be on it? And you were like, yes, I would. <laughs> it's like, I was so touched by your response. Oh. I didn't know that, you know, you know, you, you resonated with what I was doing. Um, cause a lot of times we're working in the dark here, you know, I'm in my studio right now. Yeah. I have three computers going, I got, I'm on this right now. I'm writing. Um, I've actually stepped into a larger world. A friend of mine designs games and he's designing a game. I'm not going to say, but it's about one of our, uh, journeys that we did. And he asked me to um, to do some uh, characters, little characters that run around in the game world. Well, I'm now moving from two-dimensional into three-dimensional worlds, <laughs> playing around and having fun. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can do that unless, you know, I'm 60 years old and most people are winding down. <laughs> I'm winding up. Yes, and I'm kind of like, I'm just having fun. Mm -hmm. I think for the first time in my life, just really trusting that I am creative enough to, to do this to just do it and play with it and go into this world without an agenda, but to have joy at the end of this, mm. uh, you know, just get my coffee mug, sit down and play. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's life, man. I really do. 
I love that you just said, man, and I'm so excited for all the women because it is a predominantly um, female listenership here, but a lot of them are married to men and their partners, you know, um, you know, like you straight alpha sort of male, you know, uh, have not been able to let go and to play and to be more in the moment and to practice presence over productivity yeah. and and to realize who they really are. So I'm going to actually make a request of, of of our listeners, anyone who feels called, share this with your partner, share this well, with your hubby or your or your boyfriend. Well, in the in the time that we have left, let me let me go there. You know, okay. let me talk Please to do. the audience of of men out there. Um, when I first met my girlfriend, Tao, she's from Vietnam. Uh, she moved here in 1980 and lived in California. So when we started dating, uh, you know, this is like two, three years ago. And I just had decided, you know, my bad habit throughout all my relationships is to play the savior. Mm -hmm. And I broke that cycle. It's so when I started dating Tao, I let her be her. But when I took her out to dinner, I always took control. I said, would you like to go out for sushi? Because I love sushi and we're going to this place if you like it. She goes, I love sushi. Let's go. Took her there. We had a, a one beer. You know, we had all you could eat and we just talked. I didn't dress up in a suit. I, I, I'm somebody who likes to talk and get to know the person I'm with. Well, we had already been talking for months, she would call me three, five times a day on Zoom to ask questions first at business, then in training, and then she, it blossomed into love. You know, we fell in love. So when she moved in with me, um, those first dates before she moved in, she'd come to Vegas, and I just took her to the gun range. You know, I, that's something I grew up doing. I love doing it. I also feel women should be empowered. I encourage her to take the martial arts. Um, I actually use my black belt training. And I trained her and another student for several months on how to defend herself. And then um, I took her to the gun range. But at the same time, you know, actually, I hired a friend of mine who's a special forces instructor, and went with another friend and we made it a day trip. And she fell in love with me by doing just being a man, you know, I took her hiking with her dog, I said, let's go, we're gonna go hiking. And she goes, I'm from LA guys don't do this stuff, you know, and I, I wasn't, I'm not an overly emotional and, you know, my empathic part of me, I've learned to um, put up my barriers when I need to and let it open when it needs to be. That's just how I've learned. But at the same time, I can sit with her for hours. One of the greatest joys I have is I, I make sure we spend time together. And I think for any man out here right now, with women, and I hate to say it, with women, you know, I sound like a mansplaining, but women like your presence. It's number one. Your presence. And it doesn't have to be doing something amazing. I'm going to wow her. Mm. Sometimes you just being home and you come into the kitchen, like, like my favorite thing to do with Tao is I make sure I make her cup of coffee perfect every morning. Mm -hmm. And I do it with a French press. I put all the love I can into it. I put all the supplements into it and I bring it to her while she's in the tub or she's at her desk because she works from home. The second thing I did that I just love to do is she used to have to drive to work while I worked at home. 
And so I would get up early, start the coffee. And we used to live in Denver. So I'd go out and start the car, take the ice off it, Mm -hmm. get in, start it up, bring it around to her so she could get in, drive to work. And then I would double check on her throughout the day. She had never had a man do that for her ever. I was like, what? I grew up in Pennsylvania. Men do certain things. We clean the driveway. Uh, We're the ones who go down in the middle of the night when you hear a ruckus. (laughs) You know, we're the ones who check the backyard, lock all the doors before we go to bed. Uh, You know, there's, there are just certain things. So for those of you who are listening, who have, you're very spiritual and your man may not be spiritual. I can tell you there's a reason why you're together. Mm -hmm. And so don't worry about his spiritual unfoldment so much as just being there with unconditional love, because he will come to you Mm -hmm. if you just focus on certain things and just listen to certain things. Mm -hmm. Over time, you know, it's like uh, my ex-wife used to love listening to Panache Desai. She listened to it so much. I was like, all right, enough already. (laughs) And I love this stuff. (laughs) And uh, Mm -hmm. here it is years later, I'm interviewing him. Mm -hmm. So he may not be on the same timeline as you, ladies, or or if you're gay and you're listening, maybe your significant other is not on the same timeline, but there is something there, trust me, that attracts them to you. And it's usually that spiritual glow, that light that's in you. So just focus on, raising your own vibration yes. and being loving. And it's like a moth to a flame, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he will, he will fall in love with you all over again and want to be there. Don't, don't force it on him. Let him come to you. Start playing one of these, these, uh, these podcasts uh, with somebody that's really interesting, especially when you hear a man that is, is also spiritual and also doing certain things. Um, they're like, wow, I didn't know that guy was, you know, into that or that he was, he meditated, you know, Genghis Khan meditated four hours a day. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. You know, here's a warrior who meditates. Yeah. No, I did not know that. That was interesting. You know, yeah, exactly. there, you don't, it's, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at it this way. Marriage is a long, slow lifetime of love and romance and taking care of each other. It's a slow dance. It's a waltz. It's not a speed, sped up disco and and all that. It's a slow dance, Mm. a touch, a gentle nudge. You know, tango is about the dance between men and women. Mm. That's what tango is about. You know, she looks the other way. He chases. Then he goes the other way. She chases. That's what it is in life. So you focus on your spiritual unfoldment and he'll follow. Mm, nicely said. Thank you very much for that. Sure. As we begin to wrap, I just want to also just say something on a personal level and why I invited you on to Fire and Soul, because my listeners know I'm also really magnetizing a lot more women onto the show. <laughs> Turns out it's not quite as easy to find, you know, the out there in the public arena, um, the legit, authentic, you know, awakenings that I am really um, moved by, inspired by. Um, I've got a few uh, scheduled, but when you had me as a guest on Awakened Nation, which by the way, I only knew the title and I made assumptions about the show and the context of the show based on the title. So when you asked me to be on, it was like a full body resonance of yes. Um, And I'm so glad that we did because I got to be held inside the container of your energy 
masculine driven, super accomplished, wildly successful, even, even in the Western standards of success, right? Uh, get to hold reverence and ask questions with such sincerity around my own awakening. And that actually makes me want to cry. Like you were so present. You wanted to know you gave me space to speak it into existence because even people that I know that I'm close with, they don't have any idea. And, and even looking back on our conversation and I watched it, I literally watched it and I never do that. I've been on so many podcasts. I've never watched back anything. And I just was like, what did I say? What did I share? And and even though it's there's so much more that I want to share, and so that's why I'm doing that um, with a future project, it was like the space and the grace that you offered me showed me more of who you are than anything you could have ever presented as a podcast or on your CV from known past. So I wanted just to give that perspective, and I am going to encourage anyone who feels called and has got an extra hour, you know, go listen, go watch, because yeah. it was on YouTube and, you know a video, you know, conversation that we had, um, and you titled it igniting the fire and soul within. So I want to just publicly thank you for that. Sure. That energetic is, is really what I believe is, is the, is the dance of the true divine masculine and divine feminine in her glory. Because when I could actually know that you wanted to hear and would create the space for me to share by your pure presence and genuine interest, I felt like a ton of bricks had been lifted off of my shoulders. And so I reached out to you shortly thereafter. And I was like, I want to be friends. And will you come on fire and soul? And you're like, yes to both. So here we are at the beginning of that. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, I guess we're um, quantum entangled. We appear to be, <laughs> be the same soul in different bodies. Yeah. Uh, you know, what was, um, I looked at what you were doing. Mm. And I said, this is game changing. Mm. And, th- and by the way, you, you touched my heart with everything you said. Thank you so much. It, um, I try to keep a safe space for people when they speak on my show, even if it seems like it's way out there. Cause we've had people on who they, they were impregnated by aliens mm. and they've been in documentaries. Mm. I've had people who fell off of a cliff, mm. uh, should have died and walked out of the forest. And the doctors are like, there is no way in hell you walked out of that forest. We've had miracles on the show and you're one of them. And mm. I, I knew there was a great conversation there. And I know your listeners already know they love and adore you, mm. but I wanted my listeners to know you too. Mm. And we've met in person. So I knew that the person I knew four or five years ago is very different than the person I know today. And that person is living in their light without any Mm. kind of apology. You are living in it proud. You've had a major healing. Mm. Um, I love the picture you put up the other day of your mom. She does not look her age. Oh my Mm. God. Um, But the fact that you took her to Costa Rica to have an ayahuasca ceremony Mm. and you wound up doing it as well. Mm. That was such a gift of love that you gave your mom. And, and I've always found this, Michelle, mm-hmm. when we try to give our whole heart to someone and we give that love back in a way, because, you know, your mom served you first, mm-hmm. but you did something great for her mm-hmm. and spirit reciprocated by giving you that gift in the moment. And I find that to be true on so many levels 
when we true give, truly give from our heart for somebody, not, you know, to get anything back, but we get the gift tenfold. Mm. And, it, and it's not from that whole, you know, I grew up in the Christian uh, belief system, you know, you help the homeless and you're helping yourself. No, this is much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. It's like you get blessed just by being giving mm. and, and I'm, it's got to be the hardest of service. Like you didn't want to do ayahuasca at all. Not at all. I was adamant. I was not doing it the whole right. flight there. <laughs> And so you, you wanted your mom to have the gift so badly, you got the gift, the same gift. And I think that's a Mm. testament to how spirit works. I mean, Mm. honestly, but thank you. I really appreciate everything you've said. I really do. What a joy. You know, I'll just follow up one little final thought because my mother's 76th birthday was literally yesterday. We are recording on Lionsgate 8-8. So the very next day, and this is going to be released shortly thereafter, uh, just how it was meant to be. Uh, Normally I'll record and it's like six, seven weeks later, but this is so perfect. But nevertheless, just yesterday, I was telling my mom that out of all of my memories, and I have, I've had an epic life, and I still plan on having an equally, if not even more <laughs> epic life going forward. But I'm making it very clear. I know exiting early for me right now. Uh, but I said to her, you know, that that one week at Rhythmia and sipping plant medicine with her and having that experience as our shared memory was my favorite memory of my life. And she was like, me too. And I was like, wow, you know, like she's had four kids and you know, all of it. So thank you for acknowledging that because it, it really, yeah. my mother watched that interview by the way. And then she even commented on your YouTube page. I think you saw that. Yeah. So, so yeah, she was so moved by that. <laughs> well, so yeah. shout out to my mama, Sherry. I love you, mama. Magical we love you, mom. We yeah. Brad. Uh, so as we wrap, cause I know we've gone quite a bit over and, um, and I'm going to let you go, but Where's the best place for my listeners to connect with you? Well, we're getting the website done. So you can go to awakenednationpodcast.com, awakenednationpodcast.com, or you can Google me, Brad Zalas. My last name spelled S as in Sam, Z as in zebra, O-L-L-O-S-E. And uh, I also wrote the book, Liquid Leadership, so you can Google that as well if you need to get a hold of me. But um, yeah, we're on um, Apple, uh, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon everywhere Music, pods, everywhere Audible, pods play. Yeah, uh, YouTube. Now, some of my shows cannot be on YouTube; they have to be on Rumble. And I want to warn people: I am a little bit conservative, uh, but I try to go into the human side of things, the love side of things. And I try to break up some of those paradigms. Some of us have been taught. Um, And I have guests on my show that kind of break your ideas that you've been holding on to. It sort of makes, I feel you're right. I'm, I'm a cross between Joe Rogan and Art Bell. Um, Mm -hmm. I try to get people to think because that's what I do. I try to break up that paradigm. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I've had people on the show that are, um, the leaders in the transgender movement. I've had people on my show who are um, leaders in the the, the black uh, community leaving the Democratic Party. I've had Democrats, liberals, uh, people who don't aren't political at all. I've had on spiritualists, shaman, uh, healers, <laughs> you name it. Um, I feel like we're going to the circus sometimes on my show because um, you can never pinpoint down one type of guest I have. But 
Um, like I had Matt Bush on, he is an official Star Wars artist and has mm -hmm. met George Lucas like eight times. And I was just, mm -hmm. well, what was that like? You know, I like conversation. I guess that's all you can say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, I think it's what you even say is conversations that take a deep dive into the extraordinary, and you definitely do that. Yeah. So we'll leave a link to Awaken Nation. Um, Thank you. Uh, below and and all the other things that you mentioned, and I'm just really thankful for your time today. Um, Thank you. It's been such a pleasure to drop all the way in. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> my favorite question on my show is, what's your favorite memory? And I got to tell you. You're not the only person who's cried. I mean, I've had dozens and dozens of people just start tearing up because they'll remember that one mm -hmm. moment where they received love or that or something changed their life. Mm -hmm. And for Panache, it was his grandmother mm -hmm. teaching him how to meditate in India before he went to London. And it, mm -hmm. it made all the difference in his life. Mm -hmm. uh, for you, it's your, your memory of you and your mom doing ayahuasca on this wonderful tropical island. Uh, yeah, incredible. All right, so my final question, and then we will wrap for sure. What is ooh, your favorite memory? What is my favorite memory? Yeah. You know, I didn't have the best relationship with my mother. And I remember, because <laughs> she was bipolar, and uh, she got on new medication right around when I was in my 40s. And this is the funniest thing. She started telling me a family story that was deep and dirty, you know, something that happened in the family. And um, uh, all of a sudden she stops. I said, oh, she goes, I, I can't tell you anymore. I go, why not, mom? She goes, well, because you're not old enough. I go, mom, I'm 42. Mm -hmm. And she, the face she made, <laughs> her whole face scrunched up like, Bradley, come on, you are not 42, blah, blah, blah. And she's talking and talking. I go, mom, do the math. And then we went through it at you. And the horrified look on her face, like she was not aware <laughs> that I could be in my 40s, <laughs> that she couldn't tell me this knowledge because she thought I was like a teenager or something. And yeah. I, we just laughed at that. Mm -hmm. um, but the, out of that came, we took photos later and after my mother died, I went through some of those photos and there is this picture of us having coffee and we're standing in my dad's front office and we had just had breakfast in the back. And my mom is looking at me with this such intense look of pride mm. that I did. I didn't know how much mm. my mother loved me. You know, mm. I really, we didn't have that connection that normal um, mother son connection until she got on new medication and she was able to stabilize. And I look at that picture sometimes and I, I cry because mm. um, her look of sheer ad adoration mm. is something you can only see in a mother. So sometimes our memories Mm. are not aligned with the reality. Yes, my mother adored sure. me my whole life. Mm. I just didn't feel it or see it because she wasn't doing what I quote unquote, what a normal mother would do. Yep. But she was always my best cheerleader. Mm. Um, she actually called me Hollywood. <laughs> that was her name for my nickname, Hollywood. <laughs> mm. Thanks for asking. I love that story. Yeah. I haven't asked that question before, but that was really moving. Thank you, Hollywood. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah thank you oh. i appreciate it yeah i got a little teary there too so mm. it's a great memory it's a fun memory beautiful so. thank you for sharing thank you michelle mm -hmm.
Thank you for listening to Fire and Soul. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. And if you'd like to connect on social, you can find me anywhere at Michelle Sorrow. Or if you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.